0: is over when the final buzzer sounds the analysis ends when you say it does this is overtime open line Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, the Edmonton Oilers absolutely
1: blasted tonight in Carolina. The Hurricanes take it 7-2. Andre Svechnikov. A hat trick. Yes, he has hat tricks in both games against the Oilers this season, though Edmonton did win the one in Rogers' place back on October 20th. Edmonton not even close tonight. They allow a goal in the final minute of both the first and second periods. And Carolina wins it 7-2. So the Oilers now just 8-7 and seven on the season. The Hurricanes improve to 9-4-1. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft
2: so hard to, to be in the game? Yeah, I don't think they helped. Uh, I thought it was a competitive first period. We had our chances um, to get in front of the game. We didn't, and then uh, to give one up in the last 30 seconds of that period was tough. Um, but, you know, I thought, uh, you know, we came out in the second period, we competed hard. They scored a basically a goal at the end of a five-on-three, and uh, but we, we stayed in it and battled, but we just made too many mistakes, and um, this league is too hard. Um, to recover from self-inflicted wounds and I thought tonight there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds uh, pucks that were on our tape that we didn't guarantee uh, behind the other team's defense and ended up coming back and biting us
3: first game without Evander Kane how did you find that his absence kind of
2: affected your your forward group why Evander Kane's a top player in the National Hockey League anytime you're missing uh, someone with his physical presence someone uh, with his finish you know, you're you got to find people to, to step up and, and fill that void. Uh, tonight, I thought we competed hard, like I said, um, but I didn't think we were. Um, uh, I didn't think we were strong enough with the puck. And uh, as a result, I thought there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Zach, Zach Hyman pointed to a lot of different turnovers as being,
3: you know, cause for some of those goals. Yeah. Did, you, you, did you see it the same way a lot of those? Yeah,
2: kind of I mean, uh, the puck was on our tape. Um, we were, you uh, you know, we had full possession of the, the puck and, and we didn't guarantee it out or we didn't guarantee it deep. And and what ended up happening was that uh, a good team and that is a really good hockey team over there made you pay. And um, for us, it, it's, it's, you know, we're trying to find consistency in our game and uh, we th- felt we played a really good game in Tampa. Um, as I said, I, I wouldn't knock our competition level in this. I thought, uh, uh, we competed hard. It got away on us at the very end there, but uh, we competed hard. But it, uh, against the top team, you can't mismanage the puck. And uh, tonight we did. Uh, coffey go has got six goals in three games. He's just it's just a dynamic player you can't lose track of it, and he's just one of those guys. Up. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at some of those goals, uh, you know, he's hes a good hockey player. He's a power forward and uh, you got to do a better job controlling him and we didn't do that tonight.
3: Yeah. Sorry, we neglected to ask this morning, but can you explain, colour? Yeah, Modus
2: absence tonight. What, what yeah, happened? Kyler uh, went back to Edmonton for reevaluation. He took a knock in the in the Tampa game, and so he went back to reevaluate He won't play uh, against Florida either. Good. Nice. Thank
1: you. All right. That's Head Coach Jay Woodcroft of the Edmonton Oilers. They are beaten badly tonight in Carolina. Seven-two is the final. Thanks for joining us along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Well, Rob a lot to talk about but I, I think the brief summary if you just had to pick a headline was offered by jay woodcroft in his answers to the questions not strong enough with the puck and too many self-inflicted wounds
4: well yeah it, it's what we talked about after the first and what we talked about after the second and what bob and i just talked about at the end of the third the others were sloppy they gave the puck over time and time again uh there's Jay Woodcroft talked about it a couple games ago that at the end of their winning streak, things were creeping into their game that he didn't like. And they were fortunate enough to outscore some of those mistakes. Well, they're not outscoring them now, and it's, it's the turnovers defensively. It's uh, no-look passes, having the puck on your, your stick and under pressure just throwing it blindly and hope passes. And hope passes in the National Hockey League don't work, and they certainly don't work against good teams. And the Carolina Hurricanes are a very good hockey club. They're a top four team in the National Hockey League. And the Oilers played right into their hands. They, they forecheck hard, they forecheck fast, and they tr- try to create turnovers, and then the Oilers did. <laughs> they just turned the puck over consistently and weren't able to outscore the mistakes. This was a game that the Carolina Hurricanes' best players were better than the Oilers. The Carolinas outplayed, the Hurricanes outplayed the Oilers, but the biggest difference was in net, as Carolina's Hurricanes got much better goaltending. Five breakaways, by my count, in this game that uh, the young kid stopped, and the Oilers didn't get the save when they needed it. So this was a game that, uh, I don't know if 7-2 was the way the game probably should have ended up in the way it was played, but this was a game that the Edmonton Oilers didn't deserve because Carolina was better.
1: Yeah, Piotr Kochetkov for the Hurricanes stops 20 out of 22. Jack Campbell stops 25 out of 32. And that's, uh, you know, again, Campbell's stats. Uh, I, you know, in a lot of October, I was like, you know what? His stats aren't great, but he, but he's winning games. In November's usually been a good month for him. Didn't have a good game against Dallas. Was excellent a couple days ago against Tampa. And now tonight, not good enough. Uh, I mean, the, the first goal, Rob, okay, Barry deflects the pass. I'm not going to harp on Campbell for that one, but a couple in the second period, third period when the game's already over, he turns over the puck and allows it to be shot in, into an open net. I mean, that will, that one, whether it's 7-2 or 6-2, doesn't really matter. But it, but uh, yeah, you, you need saves along the way. And there were moments, uh, th- like there were moments when, okay, the Oilers could have tied it, pulled within a goal, and uh, 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 Kochetkov made those saves. And there were moments where if Campbell would have made a save, it would have stayed tied or kept the Oilers within a goal. And instead, all of those key moments went Carolina's way.
4: Well, it's funny. Years ago, we had a, a quote from Sekera, or Sekera, when he used to play for the Oilers, he always said that there's always going to be mistakes in games. That's why the games don't all end up 0-0. And there are mistakes. The best players make mistakes. But every time you make a mistake, somehow you need, you need, a, you need a save here and again. The Carolina Hurricanes won 7-2. They gave up five breakaways in this hockey game four during the the game and one was the penalty shot. So there was huge mistakes that they made on those plays and their goaltender bailed them out each time. And uh, the others didn't get that tonight. They didn't get and to me, the the Svechnikov shot, I believe it was his second goal that went through the glove of Campbell. That's a great goal score with a heavy shot. So I didn't fault Campbell as much on that one, even though it hit his glove. But the one at the end of the period by Stahl, that was the backbreaker. Because in the third period, uh, McDavid scores, if it was just a, th- a 3-1 lead, all of a sudden it's 3-2. And a team, Carolina, that struggled as of late, now tightens a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that 4-1 lead going into the third, when McDavid scores, oh, ho-hum, we're still two behind us. We're still pretty comfortable right here. So that the non-save with a second to go in the second period, that to me was the one that changed the game. and. Uh, sent the Carolina Hurricanes into the third period feeling pretty good about themselves. Again, not horrible goals, but no big saves at big moments for the Edmonton Oilers tonight.
1: Yeah, 7-2, Carolina takes it. So, Rob, when it comes to some of these turnovers, and it's not just the defenseman. Like I think sometimes when we've talked about the Oilers being lackluster defensively and about turning the puck too much over too much in their own end, I I, I don't want to pin that just all on the six or, six, six or seven defensemen that are playing. I, I do mm-hmm. think it's a team-wide problem. It might be a little worse when a defenseman turns it over because he's often closer to his own net or deeper than his own end. Like, how do they get that other game? Like, are they not bearing down or are they trying risky plays? Are they not handling pressure well enough? I wonder what the root of the problem is.
4: I, I think the very, your third reason was probably why is, is pressure uh, under stress. Most players, whether it's at the minor hockey level all the way up through junior and your college into pro, when they have time and space to make a play, they can. Uh, when you get to the National Hockey League, the reason those players are there is they handle stress a little bit better than everyone else but there's still there's a difference uh for great players at the national hockey league level and average players is what they can do uh under duress and i think we've talked about it at the beginning of the season we thought the goaltending would be fairly solid we knew that the oilers up front would be able to score goals but their back end was the we're okay is this solid enough when they start getting pressured are they going to be able to handle it in the games that the Oilers have struggled, it's been teams that forechecked them hard and forced turnovers. And we, and that's on the back end, but we also saw it up front too. When the back check, uh, players just turning the puck over in the neutral zone. Again, because the back checking of the Carolina Hurricanes, the defense been stepping up. And then the Oilers under pressure or under duress, they just throw the puck away and their hope plays. You hope that there's one of your guys there. But when it's not... All of a sudden, when you turn the puck over, five Oilers are going forward. When you turn the puck over, you're caught for that split second, and the opposition comes back with numbers. And we saw that over and over today in this hockey game, bad decisions with the puck. But to me, every almost every one of them was simply the Oilers were under pressure and didn't handle it well. 7-2 Carolina
1: takes it. Uh, Holloway, who actually I, I thought had a positive impact on the game for the most part but but he did turn the puck over at the offensive blue line late in the second period i mean that's a situation where you're thinking okay the oilers are going to dump it in period is going to end 3-1 not great but at least they got you know they're within shouting distance going to the third period did did he mismanage the puck on that play and and of course we know campbell should have stopped that one but did Holloway mismanage the puck on that play, or what
4: happened the puck was just so far ahead of him and i i don't think that he was he had a firm grasp of it and i don't think he felt that he was able to pull the puck back to shoot it in because he was outstretched when he tried poking it to leon for him to be able to shoot the puck in he would have to pull the puck back towards his body to get a little bit of leverage to throw it in so i think at that point he's just trying to poke it forward and it gets turned around but again it wasn't a a horrible play it was you know bad to me that was more bad luck it just, with no backup from your goaltender saving your bacon there. To me, that one was more on Campbell than it was on Holloway. Uh, it just, Holloway never had full control of the puck and just trying to push it in further. It got turned over, but that, that's that got to be saved. It just, it, it has to be. In, in a game, when you're playing against one of the best in the league, you need a save or two, and the Oilers didn't get that today.
1: Yeah, 7-2 Carolina wins it. Just a side note on uh, Holloway tonight. He had a penalty shot in the first period. Uh, he w- went in, tried to go to his back end, just had the puck roll off his stick, so he didn't actually get a shot on goal. I uh, asked the folks at the NHL stats department how many players have scored their first career goal on a penalty shot. There have been seven. Holloway was trying to become the eighth. Rob, I got some news for you. Mm-hmm. We covered one of the games in which it happened. <laughs> And I Um, vaguely remember this very vaguely mm -hmm. Uh, in March of 2015. So a season which the Oilers weren't playing games overly meaningful in the month of March, uh, Andrew Miller who was up from the farm got a penalty shot goal on Kari Lettinen for his first ever goal in the NHL. So it's happened seven times.
4: I do. I do vaguely remember that one as well. It was, it was just a cup of coffee for Andrew Miller. Wasn't it?
1: Yeah. He wasn't here very long. Yep.
4: No, I do remember that as well. And I, I was going through my mind when he got the penalty shot. I'm like, hey, that's a pretty cool way to score your first goal. Having said that, uh, the Carolina Hurricane goaltender, he played that perfectly. Like, And I agree with the guys on TV that even if Holloway gets that up, that's not going in. That was just a well-played penalty shot. That And I've been in that position where you're on a breakaway and you, you throw your best move at him and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, he read it. And then you're done. There's nothing you can do. Just throw the puck towards the pad and hope that it somehow goes through the player. But uh, yeah, Holloway, I I agree. I thought Holloway played well. I thought he made a number of things happen. He's just snake bit. And the one worry you have for a younger player, when everything that you try turns out poorly, you worry that's going to affect your confidence because he's played well and he keeps getting minuses he gets grade a scoring chances they don't go in and then the other team comes back on a grade c scoring chance and scores against him that weighs on you as a young player with the high expectations that i'm sure he had for this season so it's important that the coaching staff and the veterans on the team continue to pump him up because he has shown glimpses of what he's capable of doing and with evander kane out they're going to need that out of him so hopefully that this isn't going to weigh it down on him, and he bounces back and has a good one against Florida on Saturday.
1: We'll make uh, Holloway the fourth start tonight for Jandell Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. The Oilers are hammered seven-two by the Carolina Hurricanes, and just to get get back to Kochetkov again, Rob, uh, you know Nugent Hopkins has a shorthanded breakaway three minutes and 14 seconds into the game he makes the save now I know that was a long time ago in a game that ended 7-2 but still you score first you score short-handed you never know and then I, I really got to single out that Hyman play Hyman gets a breakaway I can't remember which Carolina defenseman lost it at the blue line Hyman has a breakaway what two-thirds the length of the ice and Kochetkov makes the poke check and, and like made a beauty poke check if Hyman scores there it's three two with four minutes left in the second period. And I know people are probably saying, well, what Carolina got... But again, you never know, right? You never yep. know what shifts momentum or, or what could be key. So Kochetkov makes that save with four minutes left in the second period and, and then Stall scores with a second left in the period. So well, could it, be, it, yeah, and know, it goes, could have been 3-2 instead It's 4-1. Yeah,
4: and it goes back to what we were just talking about, Reed, where they Kochetkov made the big save at the big moment. And again, I think it was Todd McCullough used to always talk about there's big moments in games. You don't know which ones those moments are going to be, but you need to be on the right side of them. And Kochechkov gave the Carolina Hurricanes those big saves at every moment. The Hyman one was huge. The one on on Nugent Hopkins, that was another big one at that moment where uh, they're playing against... Carolina is a team that is very good, but they're on a little bit of a a swoon right now. They haven't played as well as of late. And if... The Oilers get the lead. They're probably thinking, oh, we just got shut out last night. Now we're trailing again. Or if Hyman scores and pulls within one, oh, no, here they come again. I mean, we've, we haven't even seen what McDavid could do yet. He's going to get loose at some point. So uh, you need your goaltender to, to, to have a big, big moment for you. And Coach, Coach did a number of times. He was excellent. He was, to me, by far the best player in this game. And yeah, I know that it was a 7-2 game, but he allowed the Carolina Hurricanes to pull away with the saves he made earlier in the game all
1: right here's where there's captain connor mcdavid
5: this may be too often playing catch up and just all the energy that it takes to try and do that it takes a lot of energy to play catch up uh- it's not. Uh, it's not easy on everyone. Obviously, we got to do a better job of um, not letting that happen. But you're going to have to
3: deal with it without being with the bander for quite a while. I know it's not the first, you know, the best start in terms of the first one. But what can you guys learn from this experience in terms of having to deal with it without him for quite a while
5: here? Uh, yeah, I mean, injuries happen throughout the course of the year. Um, it's nothing new. Every team deals with it. Obviously, we're hit with it uh, with a big, big guy. Um, no good player for us. So um, you know, it's uh, next man up? mentality you know that's what the way it's got to be um, not the first guy that's going to get hurt throughout the year so you guys it's not a foreign experience
3: to you guys because you, you dealt with them for so long last year before he came in does that kind of give you something in terms of the way you guys maybe started last year that can you can use to, to deal without him
5: um, yeah I think we got good uh, depth throughout our organization um, you know, I think the American league guys are you know great players in their, in their own way and we're going to need, uh, you know, everybody throughout the whole organization. You know, that's how uh, that's how good teams make it through injuries, and um, that's what we're going to need to do. When it comes to he's just hats off to him. He's, a, he's, a, you know, he's just
6: uh, two hat tricks against you guys, or what could you guys maybe do a little better against him?
5: Uh, he's a good player. Um, you know, I thought um, our game as a whole, um, you know, kind of both 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 games. I know we won in Edmonton, but, you know, even here, maybe a little too loose. Um, obviously, we got to keep the puck over there. And just
6: the last one for me, just thought on when those. Those late goals—it's just a matter of you know taking care of the puck a little better late in the period. Or how did you kind of see that? Uh,
5: goals that at the first and the second. Yeah, we got to we got to protect the puck. Um, we can't keep turning it over, especially against good teams. Um, you know, this is a real good team, and they'll make it hurt when uh, when you give them uh, chances like that. and They did that tonight. Thanks. Oh, okay, that's
1: Conor McDavid. Did score a, a great goal, and if the Oilers had won, we'd probably talk about that play a little bit more. He does have 15 goals in 15 games, but the Oilers are ripped apart 7-2 by the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. Let's update the scoreboard, courtesy Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Well, Rob, I've, I've mentioned this a couple times. Tough times for the Alberta teams. High expectations coming in. The Oilers uh, kind of mediocre at 8-7. and seven. The Flames are now 5-6-2. and two. They haven't won a game since October 25th. They're 0-5-2 in their last seven. They lose 3-1 to Boston, who are beating almost everybody. Uh, They're now 12-2 on the year.
4: Yeah, when you're struggling, you don't want to go in and play against a team like the Boston Bruins. I did watch some of that game tonight, too. And uh, when you're under stress, things seem don't go to your way. And I saw the Calgary Flames had two or 3 great grade-A scoring chances. They missed some wide-open nets. That's what happens when the bounces go against you. They certainly do. I think both Alberta teams will be fine as the season moves on. But right now, probably a little worry in both Edmonton and Calgary right now.
1: How about this? Eight consecutive wins for the New Jersey Devils. Nico Heischer in overtime. Devils knock off the Senators 4-3. The Blue Jackets win 5-2 against the Flyers. The Golden Knights outscore the Sabres 7-4. Back in Buffalo, Jack Eichel, Gets a hat trick. He's up to nine goals on the season. The Rangers hammer the Red Wings 8 2. Late in the third, Coyotes leading the Islanders 1 0. Early in the third, it's 3 3. Sharks and Blues. St. Louis trying to snap an eight game losing streak. After the first, Predators and Avalanche in a 1 1 tie. 22 shots for the Avalanche in the first period. Chicago and LA coming up a little bit later. Thursday night football tonight. It is 13 3, Carolina leading Atlanta with nine minutes left in the third quarter. And uh, right here in Edmonton, just up the LRT tracks at the Edmonton Expo Center tonight, it is Canada World Cup. Qualifying, 34-24 lead over Venezuela with four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Canada playing Venezuela tonight, Panama on Sunday. They just have to win one of the two games to uh, qualify for the World Cup, and they're uh, in control of this one. Still a lot to go, but they're playing pretty well. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. Tough one for the Oilers. They lose 7-2 to the Canes. Back in a couple of minutes for more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
0: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Ball could get a pass through the middle. It's sent in front to Foss. He gets
7: knocked down. Penalty coming up to the Oilers. Foss tried to pull it to his forehand. Never got a shot away, but he did get drilled in front of the net. Nima Linan's going to go to the box.
1: Well, Nibelainen, the big crunch of the game, but not a legal one for Cougar Payton Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. The Oilers' penalty kill, which bounced back a couple of days ago against Tampa Bay, killed three out of four tonight. They, uh, they were two men short for 39 seconds, which they killed off, Rob. Technically, though Nima Leinen coming out of the box didn't make it back in the play when Burns fired in the power play goal. I did think, and you know, it's a it's a judgment call by the refs. I, d- I did think that was a bit of a tough call on Ryan for shooting the puck over the glass. I thought it was just more of kind of a uh, a deflection, but they said he was actually taking a swipe at it because it, well, it was in he the air take at the a, time.
4: Yeah, he did take a swipe at it, so it was it was an easy call for the refs. It wasn't a deflection if it just tips off your stick and goes, but he did swipe at it. He was trying to clear it out of the zone as he tried stopping it from coming across. So it was the right call. And it's funny, uh, a five-on-three, players that are on the power play know that a five-on-three doesn't end when the penalty ends. You usually have about three to four seconds from the time that penalty ends to the time he's able to get back into the play. So it it was a five-on-four on on the score sheet, but it was still five-on-three and uh, a wonderful play to Burns' backdoor. Campbell had absolutely no chance on that one. But that's uh, when you take a ill-advised penalty, it always puts pressure on your team for something silly that could possibly happen while you're already short-handed, an accidental high stick or an accidental puck over the boards. And then that puts you down too. And that's what happened on that one. They took the, pe- the penalty in front of the net, actually, which was the crunch of the night. And then right afterwards, Derek Ryan just trying to, stop a puck from going through the the middle of his zone and it goes over the glass he knew it right away and at that point uh, the Oilers were in trouble because that's a Carolina team that's got some talent on their power play
1: so, 7-2 Carolina wins it whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. We turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. You can get in touch at 780-496-0063. Tony has called in tonight. Hi, Tony. Go ahead.
8: How's it going, boys? Good. Um, Tough game. I'm um, not going to lie. Um, I agree with uh, what Rob says that, in my opinion, uh, I don't know what's going on with our defense. Um, we look like Swiss chief, I'm being honest. Um, I have a question for you guys. So, you saw how Campbell looked tonight. You know, he made a few good you know, he made saves when, you know, a few good saves or whatever. But it just seems like. Um, it just seems like he's defeated. And I don't know if that's because our defense isn't helping him because they leave him up to dry. They seem to play differently when they play Skinner than they when they play with Campbell. And I just want to know, what would you do with Campbell right now?
4: As in what?
8: Um, Like, would you... You know, would you start Skinner for a few well, games now? Well, the Skinner
4: will play. Skinner will play against Florida, and then I think what they're doing is what they just did this one. Whichever goalie's playing better will play, until there's back-to-back, and, and they won't let either goalie stay for stale for a long time. Uh, Skinner's last two game, he let in nine goals. So this is uh, this is both on goaltending and on team defense. The Oilers have given up too many grade A scoring chances against a lot of it as we heard Jay Woodcroft talk about tonight that were self-inflicted and then when they've self-inflicted and then they have this the the wounds that they that they create for themselves they haven't got the big saves but to me it's it's not just on Jack Campbell there was a, ba- a lot of bad plays by the Edmonton Oilers defensively tonight so they will go with Stuart Skinner on Saturday and then they will see how Stuart plays and then they'll make a decision on who plays the following game but uh, They've got Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. are their two goalies and will be for probably a long, long time. So they want to make sure they both get up and running and playing up to their capabilities. Uh, I don't think either have been strong as of late.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, Rob. I mean, it looked like uh, the first period, to me anyway, looked like the same sturdy Campbell we saw against the Lightning. I mean, he stopped 13 out of 14 in the first period, made some good saves. Svechnikov had a breakaway. I'm not sure if he, Campbell got a piece of that one, but, you know, didn't go in. But
4: stayed in front of him, uh, yep.
1: Yeah, and then, and again, that goal with 20 seconds left, it, I, I'm not going to fault the goaltender on one that gets, you know, n- nudged by his own defenseman and, and, and goes in. I thought, okay, Campbell, you know, Campbell was pretty good. The other guy was pretty good. It, it's only one nothing. but then, yeah, mm-hmm. as soon as that Svechnikov, and I know you said the Svechnikov shot is, it, he's got a good shot. I agree with all that, but I'm just saying when a goaltender has two goals in a three-game span flick in off his glove, you know, it has to make you wonder, right? I mean, we um, well, haven't seen...
4: Yeah, but the only problem with that is when it was, when it was Koskinen, there was history. It was it, We saw that over and over and over again. I don't think anyone in the pre-scout with, with Campbell when, over his last number of years has said, okay, his glove, it's a problem. So the one against Dallas, that was huge. That was that was a mistake by Campbell. Tonight, I, I don't think Campbell tried catching that one. I think that one hit his glove because it was coming so hot. And again, that's a one-on-two where uh, Svechnikov came in and the two defensemen backed right up and allowed him to walk in. Mm-hmm. He's got a heavy shot, and he wasn't forced on a one-on-two. He got to walk into you know, just above the hash marks to fire that. So uh, to me, that one's not on Campbell. The, the one at the end of the period the, that uh, Jordan Stahl scored, that one's on Campbell. The one where he gave away, that one's on Campbell. And it just he didn't make the saves, and that's the biggest thing. You need a goaltender to make, and I know there's a stat for it and the analytics do it, saves that they're not supposed to make. I know that's not what it's called, but he didn't make any of those tonight, and the Oilers were desperate for those.
1: Well, and you brought up something that I find interesting, Rob. You mentioned all the others are backing in on, on the one-on-twos. And I've noticed that a few times this season as well. And I think it just ties into the fact that they're not sort of assertive enough, sturdy enough when it comes to defending. I mean, it's one thing, yes, they're turning over the puck. And we know that I think just the way the defense is is constructed with the you know, maybe the the, the size and, and personalities of some of the defensemen, they're not going to be the most menacing group clearing the front of the net, though I do think they can do better than what they're doing. But yeah, I, I've thought that at times too throughout the year. It's like, why are they backing in on on some of the rushes and, and letting a guy fire away from the top of the circles or even closer? I mean, aren't, aren't, aren't even little kids taught if it's a mm-hmm. uh, one-on-two, one guy takes the body, the other guy takes the puck, and you're well, fine? It-
4: and a, and a few things on that. One, you always want to force a forward at the, the blue line because if you force him, he may try to juke one side or the other and put his line mate offside. So there's one reason why you do it. Two, uh, in the National Hockey League, it's really hard to beat a guy one-on-one. So if you stand him up, you may not stop him, but either the puck or the player will go one way or the other. So you'll, you'll disrupt the flow. Uh, for when players back up, and I was a defenseman, through my first two and a half years as a junior when I was backing up was because I didn't have confidence. If I saw a guy coming down on me, I got a little bit nervous. I backed up further and I'm like, okay. I'm just going to keep staying between him and the, the goalie. And a lot of times you, you just back up too far and then he uses you as a screen. And we see Connor McDavid do that a lot where he'll come down and the defense will be so scared. He'll just keep going backwards, backwards. Then Connor just skates in front and uses him as a screen and shoots between his legs. And, and puts more pressure on the goalie. So to me, it's, it's a defensive group right now that doesn't have the confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to take you in the, in the neutral zone. I'm going to take you at the blue line. I'm going to force you to make a really good play. And the Oilers aren't doing that, and it's, they're giving easy access to their zone, and they're also giving grade-A scoring chances on ones where there shouldn't be. That's, that was a one-on-two that he, I mean, he scored a goal. It was a, I mean, it hit Campbell's glove, but he got to walk in, and that's their best shooter. He's third in the National Hockey League in goals. Uh, And one on two, one of those guys has got to stop him at the blue line. And then if you do get beat, you still have another guy to be able to take, clean up the garbage. So, yeah, to me, it's a lack of confidence on on some of the defensemen right now that they're just deciding to back up and to live to fight another day.
1: 7-2 Carolina takes it. Zach Hyman had a goal tonight. Here he is trying to battle back when most teams are scoring so late in each period?
6: Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, just obviously I think we're just turning the puck over too much uh, against yeah, a team like that and, yeah, just crucial moments of the game where we were turning it over and uh, they capitalized and, you know, they take advantage of it. Were
4: you happy with, that first period looked like it was a really good road period until
6: that late goal, I guess, so, and then the second period looked like it wasn't a bad period until that late goal, because is that kind of the least, Yeah, I mean, First period, we hit the post on the way down there, and then they get a bounce off a stick and it goes in. And but like, that's that's hockey. Just you know, that was an overall fine period. We're down one nothing. Maybe you know, bounce goes our way. We're up one nothing, or it's even, right? So, um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we lost seven two, so one bounce here or you're going to change the game, right? So, um, tough, tough game. Turnovers, just by the entire group—not just on the turnovers that led to goals, but turnovers that just led the pace of play and possession for them. So,
3: you're going to have to deal with being without Evander Kane for quite a while here. How did you find the first one in terms of you know working in new forwards and and trying to work together as a
6: unit? Did you know without him tonight? I mean, I don't even think we gave us ourselves a chance. So. A big part of our team, obviously, and he'll be uh, he'll be missed. Um, but tonight, I, I think, just wasn't uh, wasn't a game that uh, you know that we and give ourselves a chance with, with what we're doing uh, with regards to managing the puck uh, through the neutral zone on our blue line, on their blue line uh, and against a team like this, their top five team, you know, they're going to come back down and, and make you pay but uh, yeah, big loss the Vander. it's an opportunity for guys in the locker room to step up and, and help fill that, that role, I think it, it'll be done by committee, I don't think any one person is going to fill that hole uh, but we have a lot of really good players in the room. There's a lot of
3: talk this morning about having to manage the puck pretty well against this team, you seem to think it obviously didn't go
6: very well. Why do you think that was tonight? What kind of prevented you guys from from doing that? I mean, just rewatch the game. There's tons of turnovers. Like. Know, you know, if it's a uh, 50-50 play against this team, you know, I mean, you're playing against anybody and you turn the puck over the way we turn the puck over, it, it's not going to be good. It doesn't matter, you know, who we're playing. It just happens that we're doing it against one of the better teams and, and that's what happens at 7-2 at the end of the game, right? Um, how we, you know, avoid that is it's just getting the puck behind their D. They have a really good D core, making them turn, making them skate. We talked about it. Uh, we just didn't execute. When it comes to Smashnikov, he's a pretty dynamic player. It's just a matter of giving him a little too much time and space in the two games that you've seen Yeah. Uh, First goal went off a stick. Um, Third goal was near the end of the game. Kind of stuck in the pad and pulled it out. And then, you know, second goal was really similar to one he scored in Edmonton where we gave him the line. And he he took, you know, I think it was a one-on-two. And he just kind of went in there and ripped a shot and went in. So he's a good shooter. you got to make sure that, uh, you know, we hold lines against him. And uh, that's not just for D. That's for forwards. I think there might have been a turnover there. And then it led to him getting a, a chance, right? So, uh, can't let guys like
1: that uh, have a free shot at our goalie. Cool. Thank you. Well, yeah, Z- Zach Hyman echoing a lot of the things we've already talked about. Rob, funny, you, just, he, you were just explaining that you got to hold the the blue line, especially when you got a big shooter coming down. And, and here's, you know, I would imagine this is probably why people listening are, are frustrated tonight because when, when the Oilers have lost. You and I have been talking about a lot of the same things, and the players and the coaches have been acknowledging a lot of those same, well, if it's turnovers. Well, we're not taking care of the puck. Well, we're hurting ourselves. And that's the frustrating thing. You know, it's seven losses in in 15 games, and, and even some of the games they've won, it's been a bit of a problem. So, I I mean, I, I'm sure there are people driving around or listening say, well, yeah, why not just not turn the puck over? Why not be aware that it's a problem and fix it and concentrate a little more on not doing it?
4: Well, they're aware of it and it'll be something they talk about, but to me it's just if you're going to play the Oilers and you pre-scout, you'll say pressure them, pressure their defense, get on them as quick as possible, don't turn away from them. Even if they it looks like they have full control, still go at them and force them to make a bad decision. And I think that's which is uh, surprising to an extent is this is because their back end is not a big uh, mean bunch the back end is built to be a, a group that moves the puck and that's what's getting them into trouble is they're just turning the puck over now and again it's not just the defense it's it's all over the ice where the others are making these mistakes um, to, to me it's uh, they're just not handling the stress well enough and when you can't then you got there's things you got to adapt to and one of these uh, certain teams like having stretch plays where the, the forwards take off to the far blue line and you fire the puck up. But if you're a team that's under stress and turns the puck over, you can't do that anymore because if you turn it over, now you're giving up odd man breaks. So if it continues with the, the turnovers, the O's are going to have to bring their forwards back and bring them closer to the defense and to make shorter, shorter passes. Uh, the Oilers are going to have to think about putting the puck in deep when they get to the red line because a lot of the turnovers we've also seen have been at the blue line. They'll try to beat a guy, it gets turned over and it's back the other way again with an odd man break. So there there are things that the Oilers need to fix, but a lot of it is stuff they already know and they just haven't been able to handle the pressure of other teams, which they're doing on purpose because they know this is how we get to the Oilers. We can't play run and gun with them, but we can create turnovers by pressuring them quickly.
1: A lot of things for the Oilers to work on for Saturday to make that quick change, courtesy of Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. Carolina wins 7-2 this evening, 780 63 We have Big Bad Joe on the line. Joe, go ahead.
9: Hey, you guys, how are you doing? Good. Hit me? Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. we got you, sir. Go ahead. You know what, but I, I called the other night too. But now, you know, either the Oilers are good or they are bad. What I think is fun, what has to happen is eh, co play defense. You know, it's boring hockey. Chances they will come. But, you know, clean up defensively. When, when I see, you know, I'm really, I love on Nurse. But when I see him up, kiddo, you know, stay in your own zone, work on your cane. I get your cane on the rails. And then, you know, become a forward over there. But, but I mean, they, they have, against Tampa, they played they played awesome. You know, and, and I think when Woodcroft took over last year, he fixed that. They were playing like, they were playing as a five-man unit. And they caught the chances when they, could, when they caught them. But now it's fun, you know, like you said, they turn the puck, and puck over, and kaboom, it's in the net. And it doesn't matter who you are, you can have. Kosolevsky in the net, they will score, you know. They they have to play five, you know, stop playing just a few games, play just with five people back and go from there. It may be boring hockey, but you know what? Something has to be done. I'm getting worried, though.
1: Yeah, well, I think you make some good points, Big Bad Joe. And uh, like Rob, you and I agree that, and, and I think the score is back up. Scoring is up. Around the league, yep. But that does. But that doesn't mean defending. He's still. I'm I, like the point. The point I'm making when I say scoring is up is that uh, I, I think on more occasions, good offense might beat good defense for an extra goal or two per game. But I think Joe makes some good point. I mean, I, I'm not saying the Oilers need to think about playing boring, boring hockey, but they might want to think like, okay, if the scoring chances are eight eight, we might win because we got some pretty good offensive players. If the scoring chances are 24-16 for the other team, well, that's great we're generating 16 scoring chances, but you know we're, we're giving up 24 or, or whatever you want to look at.
4: It. The, the, the only, and I agree with a, a lot of what he said too, but the only problem or the only flaw in that logic is some of the mistakes that the Oilers made in this game that created Carolina scoring chances weren't mistakes by trying to be too offensive. They were mistakes made in their own zone, throwing the puck blindly through the slot, throwing the puck up the boards. Uh, those are the kind of mistakes that are hurting them right now. I, I understand cleaning up the neutral zone, and I'm a big believer that you play to your role. So if you're a, a McDavid or a Nugent Hopkins or a dry settle, you're allowed a little more latitude in the neutral zone. But if you're a Shore or a Holloway or, or players of that ilk, you make sure that puck gets deep. And the Oilers have turned too many over in the neutral zone. But to me, some of the plays they've made in their own zone and wingers, wingers not getting pucks out. Again, those aren't plays from being too offensive. Those are just uh, plays of not being strong enough or plays with a little panic on their stick or a little uh, stress. And they just are, are throwing pucks away. So this is a – and it's funny, Bob asked me at the end of the game today, Reed, of all the defensemen the Oilers had playing tonight, of the seven of them, which ones are playing up to their capabilities? And I said only one, Tyson Berry. I don't think the others back end has played as well as they can. And it's not saying they're playing horrible. I just know where their level is or where their bar is. And I believe other than Tyson Berry, everyone else is playing below what they're capable of doing. And that probably is a, a big indicator of why they're 8-7 and seven on the season because they're just not playing a lot of the players to where they're capable of playing what their expectation of of where they should be playing. Carolina
1: wins 7-2. Shots on goal were 32-22 for the Hurricanes. I set the line before the game for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. Shots on goal by the Hurricanes at 35 and a half. So it is indeed under. So that means kai is going to get the 50 river curry resort and casino gift card okay time for more of your calls 780-496-0063 greg will get to you after the news and weather the oilers fall 7-2 on the road against the carolina hurricanes you're listening to heartland Ford
0: overtime open line to you by Freeson Brothers this is the Heartland Ford overtime open line here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers radio 630 Chad taking a shot wide of the oiler net Spetsnikoff in front oh what a save by
7: Campbell with the right pad here's Slavin he'll shoot it that hit bodies in front of the net
1: all right, that's Jack Campbell's save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Needed way more saves from Campbell tonight. Oilers don't play well enough as a team either and lose 7-2 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Their record drops to 8-7 on the season. They're going to visit Florida Saturday afternoon, 1230 face-off show game at 2 here on 630 Chat. Reed, Wilkins, Rob Brown with you for Hartlett Ford overtime open line. Uh, Rob St. Louis up 4-3 on the Sharks with a minute and a half left as they try to snap their eight-game losing streak.
4: Yeah, usually when you've lost eight in a row, something silly or something bad happens in the last minute. But uh, the St. Louis Blues are too good a team to have lost this many games in a row. They seriously are. Having said that too, it just shows you the parody in the National Hockey League right now. Detroit Red Wings, great start to the season. They get bombed 8-2 tonight. So it's if you don't bring your A game or you don't get saves, any team in the National Hockey League can win and any team can lose. And we saw that here tonight. And obviously the St. Louis Blues have seen that for the last eight games.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Arizona won tonight. They're 6-6-1. Six, six I mean, we know being 500 in the NHL isn't good enough by the end of the year. But, I mean, you and I were talking in the preseason if Arizona would win 20 games. Well, they're yeah. already almost a third of the way there after... Uh, after 13 games i mean chicago uh they're they're 500 you know again the uh, the canadians uh are seven six and one and i think they're fun i mean they might lose but there's aren't action, the
4: kraken right aren't the kraken in second place and in, in the others division
1: yeah they are they're eight eight four yeah. two. so yep, again they've these, won five in a row yeah
4: again all these teams have nhl players and uh if you'd have an off game or if you get a goalie that plays well or, or if you overlook a team thinking, all right, we're better than, than they are, we should win, they will come up and, and, and take two points from you. Now, I think by the end of the season, everyone will fall to where they belong. But I don't think there's the, the freebies that we've seen in the past. I just think the parity in the league because of the salary cap. And that's one of the things they wanted to have a salary cap for was to make sure that the league is even throughout, that no one can have the unfair advantage of being able to buy a better team. And you got to manage your salary cap well. And teams with salary space on their in their cap right now have the advantage come trade deadline to be able to add players, as opposed to teams that are right up to the to the cap. But uh, to me, it's more exciting. It, what, the Oilers have what had two games this year where they weren't one goal games. Uh, it's exciting. There's the stress level in every game. If you're a fan, is huge. But that's what you want. You want to be able to enjoy the games, and stay till the very last minute because something fun could happen. But tonight, unfortunately for the Oilers, it wasn't one of those nights.
1: Seven two loss. Uh, the Blues are uh, the Blues have won. Five three is the final. They get an empty netter. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Greg is standing by. Greg, go ahead.
7: Hey guys, just a quick question there. Do you think the Oilers could use a, you know, maybe a more physical forward in their bottom six, like a Wayne Simmons? Because I think they just have too much uh, passiveness in their game.
4: Um, I, I don't know how much Wayne Simmons has left in his game. Uh, I I know that in his heyday, he was good. And uh, he brought an element that you would love to have in your lineup. I think the Oilers actually up front in their top six have the physical element that you need in the Hymans and the Canes. And uh, I I say it every time that we talk about stuff like this, Drysaddle and McDavid give it more than they get when it comes to physicality. But yeah, in the bottom six, the Oilers uh, don't have a lot of physicality with Derek Ryan or or Devin Shore, McLeod. Players like that. I don't know if Wayne Simmons is the answer. I don't know what he has left in the tank, but a, a Wayne Simmons type player would help just about any team in the National Hockey League. Uh, he he brought uh, a toughness and a tenacity to his game that players or teams would love to have in their bottom six.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Rob. Because we've often talked about the Oilers maybe not being beefy enough on the back end, but you know, I I think that's a, f- a fair comment. You know, could mm-hmm. they use? somebody like that in their bottom six who's a, a bit of a, a disturber and maybe you say okay he doesn't need to score but he needs to the other team knows what he's out there right I, I mean kane's like that he's going to be out for a while plus kane is so gifted offensively teams would know when he's out there as well but yeah could there be somebody out there in the bottom six but, but you made a good point too rob about um the, the salary cap and making trades and it's not easy for the Oilers to do that because of, and I, I know they get some relief here with Kane on long-term injured reserve, but he's going to come back. So you got to fit everybody under the cap once he gets back. I know there was a, a gentleman who called last game, like adamant to, you know, trade for a two or $3 million forward and have him compete with, uh, yeah, but, okay sure but you know then how do you how do you move everything around what do you give up possibly to get that so I mean they're going to have to play up without Evander Kane but again our theme tonight is if you lose offense with I mean in the three in the three months Kane would have scored what at least 15 goals we would think
4: yeah well scored five in the first month so yeah Yeah. so so (laughs) you might
1: lose those you, you might lose those 15 goals but I, you're, we're talking about them shaving off goals against, so you're not going to miss those 15 goals for. To yeah, me, that's I mean, the big problem still.
4: Yeah. Evander, Evander Kane is a very good hockey player, and, and the Oilers will miss him. But as I was saying with you and Bob before the game, I mean, tonight, the Carolina Hurricanes were missing a 30-goal score in Pacioretty, and they're missing their number one goalie. They're playing Florida on Saturday. They've been without Aaron Eckblad, their best defenseman, and two of their top players. Colorado's played... They're missing five guys for that were off their Stanley Cup winning team last year. They've been out for a long time. All teams have injuries. They all do. And and they go long stretches with good players out of the lineup. You've got to be able to find wins without them. The Washington Capitals had $40 million out of their lineup and beat the Oilers the other night. So I know that Kane losing Kane sucks, but that's just part of the NHL. And in the dressing room, as soon as the game starts, they're not worried about Evander Kane being out of the lineup. Everybody in that dressing room feels that they should be able to win with with or without Evander. And tonight, they didn't get it done, and it wasn't because Evander wasn't there. They didn't get it done because they weren't good defensively and because they didn't get saves. Neither of those are on Evander Kane. So uh, I don't believe there's going to be any roster moves to fill in for Evander Kane. I think, as you said, the salary cap forces them to go status quo for a while, and they'll see how it turns out, and they'll hope that Holloway can step in and produce. They'll hope that... Pugliarvi will somehow find the back of the net. They'll hope that Yamamoto comes back and plays like he did in the second half of last year and not like he has to start this season. They're hoping it from within. They can find the players to come up and step step up and, and fill the role that Evander Kane had, had done for them over the first 70 games he's played with them.
1: Oilers lose 7-2 in Carolina tonight. Svechnikov a hat trick. Two hat tricks against the Oilers this season. That's the most he can get because <laughs> they only play each other two times. Uh, he got one in a uh, losing cause on October 20th, and he helps the Hurricanes beat the Oilers 7-2 tonight. By the way, that goal he he lifted over Campbell's pad, like, I thought that play was dead. That actually was a good save by Campbell, and that Sveshikov still dug that out and, and had to be, uh, I thought, a very deft maneuver to flick that puck in.
4: I agree. I I thought it was done, too. I thought that he was going to just keep banging the puck off the pad and hope that eventually it would find a way to trickle through. But from his feet were well behind the goal line. He was on his backhand, and he had to get the puck up. The problem on that one is the fact how much time he had. Uh, that was one I talked earlier, I think, with Bob, where if you watch the replay, you have Bouchard watching. So you have the most talented goal scorer for the Carolina Hurricanes, gets the puck, Campbell makes the first big save. And I know he was not in a great scoring position, but he had time to stop the puck, pull it to his backhand, and get it up and over. Devin Shore tried playing net on that one. That's too much time for a player of that skill set to be able to decide what he wants to do with the puck. But I agree. When I, I thought the play was dead as well. I didn't think he could score from where he did and was shocked that he put it in. But uh, he's a talented young player, as we saw through all six goals that he scored in the two games they played.
1: All right. We also have Cam at 780 Hey, Cam, go ahead. Uh, just a
7: quick thought. Uh, what about Campbell getting uh, a new glove or maybe issuing his old one? What do you guys think?
1: That is kind of a weird-looking glove, isn't it? Is that just me?
4: Yeah.
7: Or is that a bit of a no. funny-looking glove? Oh, big, yeah. I'm just wondering. Cause look, looks like it's not threaded uh, tight enough. Looks like it could go through. A puck could go through,
4: I think. Well, the puck can't go through. that. That's for sure. Um uh, as far as, I don't know, I, it's not like he just uses these gloves for games. He would use them in practice and have lots of work with it. But when it comes to uh, goaltenders, that's something I bet, Reed, that you can talk to Kelly Rudy about. He'll have a much better analysis on what's going right and wrong for Jack Campbell, what's going right and wrong with his glove hand.
1: I, I did ask Kelly Rudy Kelly, about something last night, Rob. Right? I mean, we should talk about McDavid's goal because it's another spectacular goal. He does have 15 goals in 15 games. Mm-hmm. And the I asked Kelly last night that, especially with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice, and to some extent Kane Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, they are not, even though they usually lead the team in shots on goal, they're not volume shooters in terms of, well, we're just going to get across the blue line and take a uh, 40-foot wrist shot and hope for a rebound or a face off, right? Like they, they, they often look for the kill shot, especially if they can really get the cycle going. We saw the four on four goal. McDavid scored the other night against Washington that looked like an Oilers power play, as you said. And then even this one, you know, they're working it around Barry and Kulak got the assist and then McDavid it like, it's, it's almost like a, he's like a running back. He waits for his blocks to set up and then he finds the hole and he goes. And I, but I asked Kelly Rudy about that puck control and he said that is exhausting for a goaltender because you're in your crouch for so long and and then you're constantly looking around because, okay, where are they going to cycle it next? Who's open? Are my, are my defensemen losing their checks because they got the, the puck for so long? Like he said a goaltender, there's a point where you would just almost see, a sh- you'd sooner just see a shot, you know, <laughs> rather than just passing, passing, passing. Because he said that's that's exhausting to stay in your crouch for that long and be sliding back and forth.
4: Well, and to be fighting for, for for eyesight, try to find out where the player is because there's always players crisscrossing in front of the net, so you're trying always trying to find them, and McDavid goes at a different speed as any other player, and what it, he, he does is he he all the players are moving. It's almost like they say, okay, once McDavid gets to a certain point, move away from the middle of the ice and allow McDavid to attack one-on-one, and again, the defenseman has no chance because the defenseman, I think it was DeHaan on that one, he's standing still, and he's got Connor McDavid coming full speed at him. So it's more one of those ones where he's guessing which way he's going to go. He guessed wrong, and then McDavid comes in, and it's a clear path. And at that point, the goalie's got no chance. Now he's facing Connor McDavid. And what we've seen now with Connor over the last couple of years, his willingness to shoot more, it used to be if Connor's coming in, the goaltender, okay, where's the guy he's passing to? He's not doing that now. Now he's shooting. Obviously, with 15 goals in the 15 games, he's shooting more. But uh, it, it, it's, he gets it into a one on one situation. That's what happens on the four on four gets it into a one on one situation. And nobody in the National Hockey League can play with Connor when it's one on one. And especially when you're f- standing flat footed, as Dehan was. So uh, that was a pretty goal. And this is the difference between Connor and superstars and everyone else in the world we saw it i think it was fogel yesterday that made this unbelievable move then got to the net and fumbled it most right. players when they do something special after they do it they're like in their head they go oh my goodness i just oh, how would i do that and then they fumble it because <laughs> now they can't finish because they were so surprised not only did they surprise the defender they just surprised themselves with connor and leon and those type of players when they beat someone to make them look silly there's an expectation that they were going to do that. So now they finished because there's no, oh my, how did I get here? Cause they were expecting to get there the whole time.
1: All right. McDavid gets his 15th. Uh, he would need to get about 15 more tonight as the hurricanes hammer the Oilers seven, two, we'll get to goalie dock on the open line in a second. Got to take a quick timeout. It's Hartland Ford overtime open line.
0: Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers lose 7-2 to the
1: Hurricanes. Meanwhile, here in Edmonton at the Expo Center, the Canadian men's basketball team looking very good against Venezuela in a World Cup qualifying game. Final minute of the third quarter, Canada up 67-42. If they win, they qualify for next year's World Cup. They're also going to be playing here in Edmonton on Sunday against Panama, which makes me think of a Van Halen song, Rob. 780 <laughs> 780- 63 <laughs> We have Goalie Doc
7: on the line. Goalie Doc, go ahead. Oh, hi, Reid and Rob. Thanks for taking my call. I've kind of been listening to your conversation a little bit about the... Do- the uh, the goalies and stuff like that and uh one one thing i guess you probably always say is to kind of get back to the basics but one thing when you play goal um like rob was saying that you if the guys back you up on you you can't see and a lot of times what you usually have a connection with your defenseman to try and tell them to take them to the outside so that the shot from the outside is easier to take but if they're backing up on the goal especially when you're not having a good night um, and somebody's backing up on you, the screen, it's a lot easier to, to miss, uh, you know, to not to stop the puck there. You have to keep backing up on you. And again, sets them up for re, uh, deflection or, or screen and so on. And then the other thing about the gloves, the, the gloves, they have the huge gloves now. Like almost you think at times it seems some of the goalies use it more for blocking than catching. But I think on that goal that he let in, I think he thought he should have had it. If you watched how he reacted, he thought he should have had it even though like i heard rob say that it was a a great shot i think he just missed it and, and rob about going through a goalie's glove um, i don't know if you watched the baseball game at first base uh, how many times uh this year that uh, at first base that uh, the puck the ball went through the guy's glove twice he had to get to first glove so it's possible but i think he i think he actually uh i think he missed it and i think he knew he missed it but i think in general i think the the i think they just have to get back to the basics of their hockey and stuff i mean a couple of days the couple of days ago we were telling them don't take don't take penalties if you're, your penalties uh, you're not playing well on the penalty kill so but anyways those are just some of my uh my thoughts i don't know what you guys think but from playing goal over the many years that's kind of my thoughts about that so
1: yeah appreciate that goalie doc always uh, always like to hear from you for sure um Yeah, well, they still – I mean, they've still taken, what, nine penalties the last two games? Too many. So they've killed off eight of the nine. Well, uh, sorry, they've taken, what, 14 penalties on this road trip, right? Five, five, and four. It's too many.
4: Yep. Well, you're just putting too much stress on your goaltender. You're putting too much stress on your your, your penalty killers. Uh, We always talk about uh, good penalties are ones that are – it's there's a physical component to it or there's a your state saving a goal those are the two penalties that coaches don't mind any of the stick fouls especially ones that aren't near your net coaches don't like those ones and when your team is struggling or when your team's not killing they seem to always come back and bite you uh tonight it was just i i do believe fatigue was a bit of an issue in tonight's game third game in four nights but tonight, when, you, when you're going to be tired and the players knew that it, they probably were not going to have the same uh, level of energy as they normally would have, that's when you're supposed to play smarter. But the others did the opposite. They created more problems for themselves because they didn't make the smart plays. So now when you're lacking energy, the Edmonton Oilers just put themselves in some bad positions that their goaltender didn't bail them out on
1: what do you think of martin new school he's lying on the ice and he that that's the puck <laughs> that's <laughs> the puck I mean, in the
4: air we've seen over the last couple of years some pretty neat goals that have been scored in the national hockey league and we always talk about the skill level of the players now and i i see it all the time at the academies all these young kids in grade fours five six all the different things they can do with the puck that i still can't do and martin Usc- he's a third fourth line player and there's a guy that Knocked, knocked the puck once and then knocked it out of the air over top of Campbell while he's sitting on his butt. That's a third-fourth-line player. When I played, the third-fourth-line guys, they they struggled to hit the puck when it was on the ice, let alone oh, hit the geez. puck when it's in the air. So the skill level nowadays is so good, and he just created a great a scoring chance out of nothing. I mean, the the shot that he had while he was sitting on the ice, it wasn't going to go in, but as soon as he realized where the puck was, he just tapped it up over top of Campbell. That was a really pretty goal from a guy that plays on your third slash fourth line.
1: So 7-2 Carolina wins it tonight. I mentioned the final shots, uh, 32-22 for Carolina. Face-offs, Carolina had the advantage at 56%. Uh, tough night for Ryan McLeod. He only won three out of 15. Uh, for the Oilers, was anybody plus? Nobody was plus. Few guys were even. Most of the team was minus. Well, the even guys were probably Yanmark Janmark, uh, and line. Line, that's it. it. Yeah, and just... Everybody else. Everybody else was minus one, two or three. Uh, ice time leader. You had nurse uh, playing 22, 14. McDavid played 18, 36. Drysaddle played 20, 52 shots on goal. Drysaddle had four. That was the most on the Oilers and uh, hits. A bunch of guys had three in this game for Carolina. Sveshikov had the uh, hat trick. Uh, bunch of guys had two points, including Sebastian Aho. Who now has what is he up to? 22 points in 12 career games against the Oilers.
4: He's he's a nice player, and I really I I, I don't remember the gentleman's name that you had on before the show, but he's a Carolina, I believe, a newspaper guy that you had on. He was oh yeah, Corey him.
1: Lavalette, Yep.
4: I loved his line. He said if Aho was bigger, as big as Barkov, he would be Barkov, and I love that line because you're right. Because I love Barkov as a player. Barkov is Kopitar East. They play the same, big, strong, physical, smart, everything right. And Ajo does – he's a guy that's uh, the perfect player. He just understands what his role is. He understands the game. He doesn't make mistakes. Uh, wonderful game. The, the Carolina Hurricanes' best players were very good in this hockey game. And Sebastian Ajo, he's a nice, nice hockey player. Fun to watch.
1: All right, Carolina dominating the Oilers 7-2. Get more on this game on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. Our next game broadcast, Saturday afternoon, faceoff show at 1230, puck drop at 2. Oilers visit the Florida Panthers. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Oilers hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford over Time Open Live.